This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Lots to get to today. Chip Scoggins will join me in a little bit to talk women's final four. Paige Beckers. Chip was in Bridgeport, Connecticut um, for the regional where UConn won in thrilling fashion over North Carolina State just a few days ago. And that women's final four starts tomorrow in Minneapolis. So Chip and I will talk All things Paige Beckers, break down the four teams in the tournament, things like that. So hope you enjoy that conversation. Got to get to U.S. World Cup qualifying. They are in. The U.S. men, after missing out on the 2018 World Cup, they are in. Lost 2-0 to Costa Rica um, last night, but uh, didn't really matter. Just needed to avoid a disaster in that game, a large uh, goal differential. Getting them in. Canada. Wins the group. Mexico right there with them. U.S. third in the group. That is good enough. They were in pretty solid footing throughout all of qualifying. And really, uh, really that, that win over Panama the other day uh, really solidified their spot. So get to that in a little bit. Patrick Peterson coming back to the Vikings. He announced it yesterday. The team confirmed it. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit. And Alex Goligoski, interesting timing on an extension for the wild defenseman. But first, what did I miss? Got to talk Wolves at the jump. Haven't talked a lot of Wolves lately because they're kind of in that stretch of the season where they kind of like, okay, get to the playoffs. We we we, we kind of know what this team is, I think. We, we're kind of just waiting for, waiting for the postseason. And some discouraging moments in the last week. Wolves have lost... Four of their last five now against good opponents. We knew they were coming into the stretch of teams against you know, games against quality opponents. Um, they lose to Toronto sorry, on Wednesday in Toronto. Um, kind of it ended up being a blowout. The, the Wolves were up double digits in the first half, but uh, that that did not last. Toronto just gets red hot from three point range, ends up winning one twenty five to one oh two. You know, some things from that game stood out to me um, and stood out to a lot of people. Um, Town, Carlton Towns only takes 13 shots in the game. He was in foul trouble, had had five fouls in the game. Anthony Edwards took 17, but you know, he was he was good, good offensively. He made 10 of 17 shots, um, kind of a more of a the ant that we want to see and we're seeing earlier in the year. Big problems, though, like I said, were Towns and his shoot and his lack of touches, lack of lack of shots. Didn't get a ton from the bench, although they were okay. But the biggest thing, D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, we've talked plenty about as the Wolves go, D'Lo goes, and vice versa. And he's not been great. He's he's probably happy to see March um, heading out, and their next Wolves next game is in April. Tomorrow night against Denver, a big one if they are going ahead to have any chance at moving up to the number six seed and avoiding that play-in tournament, which we'll get to in a minute. Month of March, D'Angelo Russell shot just 36.7% from the field, 27.3% from three-point range. Now, the assists were still fine, averaged almost eight assists per game, um, but you know only 13 points a game in that month, and especially these last... Five games against these good good teams. Two against Dallas, one against Phoenix, one against Boston, one against Toronto, where the Wolves went just one and four. 
Um, D'Lo, not good, including that three for 15 against Toronto, which is one for six against Boston the other night. Didn't shoot above 37.5% in any of those five games. So they got to get D'Lo going. And he, he's been streaky all year. He kind of gets in these, you know, hot and cold stretches. When he's hot, when he's making shots, they are a different team. And when he's not, they still can overcome it when they're playing the likes of, you know, Orlando, Oklahoma City, you know, Portland, things like that. But when they start playing the better teams, you can't have D'Angelo Russell putting up a three for 15, one of seven from three point range. I mean, these last, these last five games, just counting it up right now, he is four for 27 from three point range, four for 27 from three point range. That is not getting it done. They got to get him going before the postseason starts. Now, if if there's good news, we, we watch teams go through these cycles all the time, right? The Wolves were up, down, up, down, up, down, kind of all year. The, what's been pretty consistent, I think, is the effort and kind of the belief, even when they're not winning. And, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, even though he was frustrated, you could tell he was frustrated by Wednesday night's game, he did have some good things to say after the game about kind of how they need to get back to the way they were playing earlier in the year, how they can get there. Get, get back to that spot. So let's listen to Towns post game right now. Just a, a, a great coaching staff, a great coach, and uh, guys who are are willing to uh, put winning first. You know, um, I think that we've done that all year. I thought we've played with um, with a great determination this year. Um, I thought we played with a, a, a great mindset, and um, <clears throat> you know, we got to we got to fall back on that right now. Um, you know, we got to. I don't know how the situation is with the uh, with the standings and everything. I, I have to educate myself on that. Either you guys tell me now, or I'll tell myself later. But um, you know, we're we're fighting, we're fighting, and um, these games ain't going to get any easier. You know, it's, it's going to get much much harder. So um, if we, if y'all think that today was tough, you know, when we get to April fourteenth, you know, it's going to get really really difficult. So um, we got to figure out ways how we're going to. Um, you know, expose people boxing wanting me or triple teaming me or, you know, through half court already putting somebody on me. So we got to find ways to counter that. Um, you know, we got we got we got time. We got to go to the drawing board. We got games to warm ourselves up for the playoff run and, and, and figure out how we're going to do that. And again, teams go through these lulls. It's just concerning a little bit that it's happening this late in the season and against quality opponents, because like Town said, this is not going to get any easier, especially if they have to be in that playing round. You saw the Clippers the other night. They won. Paul George was back. That would be their that would be their playing round opponent. That's who they would play in that 7-8 game to try to get that 7 seed. And if they lost that, then you're in an elimination game probably against either the Spurs, Lakers, or Pelicans. You know, teams you can beat, but that's do or die. That's one game. So if you and then you'd be the 8 seed and you have to play, you know, Phoenix and, you know, that's good good luck with that. So just getting into the playoffs this year is a reasonable goal for this team. I think even before the season started, getting into the play-in tournament was a goal for this team. I think we recalibrated that when we saw what they had, when we saw how they were playing. Um, but they, they've, they've got some work to do down the stretch here. And they, they, kind of what they've got coming up against them now, you know, in the final stretch of this regular season and what could come in, the, in this play-in tournament, if that's what it comes to, that's going to test them in ways they haven't been tested yet, like Towns said. And it will be interesting to see how they respond to that. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming. 
fun restaurants and bars and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to have back on Daily Delivery today, Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins, who was out in Bridgeport to witness the greatness of Paige Beckers, the UConn star, the phenom formerly of Hopkins, had 27 points, I think. A lot of them after halftime, a lot of them when UConn needed her the most to get to this Final Four. Chip, you'll have a lot less to travel to get to watch her (laughs) next game because that is in Minneapolis on Friday. UConn, a part of the Final Four, along with Stanford, South Carolina, and Louisville. And Chip, I just want to talk to you today mostly about Paige Beckers. And I know we've talked about her before, but you were out there for this. You were, you know, you've been kind of watching her. You've got a big story on her coming out uh, later this week. Um, as you've kind of observed her, observed her greatness, observed this season, which has had its challenges, what, what stands out to you? Yeah, you know, Mike, I first met Paige when she was a seventh grader. And I think that's the first um her first year of varsity and have, you know, was at the final four last year in in San Antonio and spent some time around her. And I've seen her a lot, both in high school and college. And the thing that amazes me about her is you mentioned it, the word greatness. There is this expectation when she walks on the floor that you're going to see greatness. And so often you see more than that from her. I mean, you see these kind of, epic moments and you can go back to junior year they're undefeated they she'd went undefeated as a uh sophomore they were undefeated this year and and uh she had lost what for her first two state championship games as a freshman and sophomore and they, they were trailing at halftime she was sick as can be had the flu they were down to Stillwater, and everybody was panicking in the locker room and, and she stood up and said now nah, we're good we got this and they go out and just destroy it and, and win a state state championship. The other night, Monday night, UConn has been to 13 straight Final Fours. That that streak, which is remarkable, is on the line. NC State's given them the fight of all fights. They're, you know, home crowd that UConn has, 10,000 people. And when they needed someone to step up, Paige delivers this kind of epic, iconic performance where – she scores 23 of her 27 points after halftime, did not miss a shot after halftime until late in the, the second overtime. Six of six clutch free throw shooting in overtime. Just she can find a way in those pressure moments to make it look easy. And she just has this gift. I mean, she's just a terrific, terrific. As I say, she's a supernova, both in name and game. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing to watch. It's going to be great to see it up close for everybody who's local, who or who is traveling to Minnesota for the Final Four. Um, it's, the subject of greatness is an interesting thing because, and I even I talked about this on a podcast earlier this week. But you know, we've had a lot of great athletes in this market. We've watched plenty of them grow up. You know, Joe Maurer. Um, you know, such a, a greatness on two levels, you know, football and baseball in high school, even basketball was a pretty good player Mm -hmm. as well. Probably could have played college basketball at a certain level if he wanted to. Um, You know, you talk about nationally, look at like LeBron James, you look at, you know, individually great athletes like, you know, Serena Williams or, you know, 
whatever golf you want. Tiger Woods at the at the height of his 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 power, like the confidence these guys must have, the, these men and women must have, is kind of beyond what I can really imagine. But how do you, as you're like thinking about the mindset of a Paige Beckers, does she just expect to be great? And yes. And then she just is great because she she knows it and she has the skills to back it up. Yeah, she has the personality where she's just unflappable, and I, I, you, you kind of see it in her body language. I, I have this story in my and I've written it before. And I'm gonna have it in my my piece on her um, coming out Friday, the day of the the semifinals. But when Paige was in sixth grade, her dad Bob had taken her to a Lifetime Fitness over in Spring Lake Park, and or St. Louis Park. I'm sorry, St. Louis Park. And they were working out and Bob was working out her dad and, and Paige was down there on the basketball court by herself. No one else there. She was just kind of shooting, doing her thing. And Cheryl Reef, the Lynx coach, who was already a WNBA champion coach by now, happened to be there that day and she was working out and she was in between weightlifting sets. She looked out on the court and she saw this little girl and was mesmerized, could not take her eyes off her because of her body language, the way she moved, just kind of the swagger this kid had as a sixth grader. And Cheryl said, I have to go meet this kid. So she goes up to Paige Beckers, says, Hey, I'm Cheryl Reeve. And I don't know if Paige knew she was, she, she may have been at that point, but she, and Cheryl said, uh, would you want me to put you through a workout? And she's like, yeah, great. So she put her through a high pace, fast paced workout for 30 minutes. <laughs> her dad, Bob looked out there one, you know, after there was workout and his daughter's out there with the WNBA coach, put her through a, you know, an intense workout. And so, she just has this presence, this self-confidence that she's going to rise to the occasion. The thing that, that I marvel about with her is she doesn't overpower people with her athleticism and physical gifts like a LeBron or some of these that are just, hey, I'm just more athletic than you. You can't do anything about it, right? I mean, right. she's she's got you know long arms and quick and good enough athlete, obviously, but it's it's the way she sees the game. It's the way the instincts that she has just the feel for a game. And I don't know that you can coach those things. And I think the really great ones have something about them that you obviously have to have the high end skill that, you know, to do it, but they have this just innate thing that you can't coach. And I think that's where you see that a lot um, in Paige's game. It took a lot just to get to this final four. Like you said, that streak was on the line and, you know, for a a portion of this season, we didn't even know if she was going to be able to, finished the season. She missed a good chunk of time with, with an injury. A lot of her teammates did too. So UConn has had more adversity than they probably are accustomed to, but in the end do get here to Minneapolis for this final four, but not the favorite to win. I think that that distinction belongs to South Carolina um, and Stanford's awfully good. That's the, that's the defending champ and that's who they will see right off the gate. I mean, this is a, this is an awfully good field like it usually is in the women's final four. It is a great field. And yeah, you know, Becker's missed 19 games with a pretty significant major knee surgery. Um, had she been healthy and AZ Fod, their, uh, you know, all American, fre- uh, freshman All American who's great, she missed, I think, eight games. So it, UConn was a disrupted season. I think if they were healthy, they would be a team that, you know, people would be talking about. But look at this field, Mike. Three of the f- uh, four teams have won national titles. Yeah. Um, their traditional program, you know, I mean, what South Carolina is the program now start to finish number one Stanford. We know their history and obviously UConn's history and, and Louisville hasn't won the national title, but they've been 
a premier program here. They've won at a high level. They just haven't gotten broken through for the championship. So it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a marvelous field. And I guess I wouldn't be surprised with any result. Although um, if I had to bet on it, I think I would put South Carolina and UConn in the final. I just think those two are playing probably the best right now. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I think Louisville would be the one team that would surprise me just because they haven't done yeah. it yet. They don't have the same history, but they're an awfully good team. Um, it's, it's been a great tournament so far. I mean, I think we saw some upsets Upset, early on yeah. that we don't usually see. And Yeah, you know. yeah sorry to interrupt you. I, I, they had a board up at, at Bridgeport with, you know, with the bracket, and I think I counted up nine wins by double-digit seeds. Now, a couple of those was the same team advancing, but nine wins – which is not atypical. And Gino talked about that. Gino R.E.M. of the Yukon um, coach said that they're not obviously at the level in that regards as the men's uh, side yet where you're, it's just a constant, but he, he has seen the evolution coming where there's more depth and more uh, athletic departments that are making a commitment to women's basketball in a way that'll help them. So you're starting to see some of that parody, but in the end, when you get to the final four, we got three number one seeds and a number two in UConn that is de facto number two. They could be a number one. They just did that because they didn't have Paige Beckers for 19 games. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so you traveled to Bridgeport and I mean, and we're, you know, we don't root for athletes. We don't root for teams, but if you could, if you're going to root for a story, um, <laughs> having, having Paige Beckers do what she did in that region final is about as, is about all you could ask for, right? Yeah, yeah. We we definitely root for stories, and that's what you want. And I think this Final Four, listen, it had been a big deal here anyways because it's a Final Four, and, and I think women's basketball, you're seeing the strides and popularity, the numbers. The NCAA finally got around and making it March Madness, which is ludicrous that it wasn't before, but TV numbers and just interest, you're starting to see that uh, popularity really grow However, when you have a Paige Becker as a hometown kid who is enormously popular here in high school, um, do what she did Monday night in that kind of performance, uh, as I called it, kind of an epic, iconic performance, it put a jolt into this tournament. And I'm sure the people at NCAA were thrilled to death when, you, when they saw that and knowing that she was going to come here off that performance. Do you have just a couple more things before we let you go, Chip? Do you have like a, is there a comparable athlete to come out of Minnesota? Cause I just, I'm, I, I hate to, I hate to put labels on per people and I know everyone's their own individual person, but you know, the hype that she has had and, and what she's lived up to so far and knowing that, you know, she probably at some point will be a number one overall pick in the WNBA should have a long, great WNBA career. Like, Start to finish, who, like, yeah, who, well, who, 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 who's comparable to her? The, the closest thing in it, the, the parallels that I see were Tyus Jones because he started in seventh grade and he had this reputation and he went to Duke and won a national title in his uh, rookie. His freshman season was a one and done. He hit the, you know, went crazy in the second half of that national title game. And so he, the, the difference is Paige has captured this age of social media in a way that Tyus never did and not very few athletes have. I mean, her following is gigantic. Um, now Tyus came pre NIL yeah. name, name, image and likeness. So that's the difference. But, but when you look at her social media platform and how many followers, 
I mean, Mike, when she was in high school, Timberwolves players went and watched her play. Right. Um, she is sponsoring Gatorade, chose her to be the first college athlete, male or female, to sponsor their brand. So in terms of the basketball kind of uh, transition and evolution through high school, Tyus reminds me because they both were young, played a lot of, you know, as, as this kind of prep phenoms and then everybody knew them in this town by the time they were junior and seniors. But um, I think the social media component with, with Paige is just, it makes hers uh, uh, different. Yeah. And obviously we've had, you know, on the, on the men's side, Jalen Suggs and Chad Holmgren have been awfully good sure. players yeah. in the last two years for Gonzaga, you know, Chad Holmgren coming up short uh, to get to the men's final four this year. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm, you hate, I don't want to accelerate this thing like 15 years, but I, I want to know it as, at, to a certain degree also, like, what is this all going to look like at the end of her career? What will we be saying about Paige Beckers at that moment? Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, she stays healthy. I mean, that's the one thing right. you can't. But but I do think she has a, you know, I mean, look, basketball, she's, you know, she's terrific. I mean, we, we've seen that. She's one of the best. She was the number one player in high school, and she was the first freshman in the history of the women's game to be a national player of the year in college. And so if she stays healthy, is she going to be a great WNBA player? Well, by everything we've seen so far, I would say yes. And I just think because of her, and I don't know if this is the right word, but just brand people know her. I mean, she's selling products. She could, when the NIL passed, a lot of companies rushed to try to get her to sign up to promote them. And she picked and choose who she wanted. And she had three big ones now, but I just think she's going to be a highly marketed professional athlete that people come to know, right. She's going to be one of the, if everything keeps on this trajectory, she'll be one of the most marketable, female athletes, women athletes, um, professional sports, I think. Last thought for you, Chip. This is not just a Paige Beckers tournament. We talked about the teams. Anybody else, anything else you are particularly looking forward to watching when the action gets underway on Friday? Yeah, I want to see South Carolina. Um, Don Staley's just done a remarkable job with that program, and I think they won it in, what, 2017 is right. Um, But to get that second one, and then if you did that, you know, in this one with Stanford being the defending champion here and UConn with Paige Beckers and, and all the hoopla that that, if South Carolina emerges as the, as the champion, you'll say, you know what, that was a, that was a special team. So I, I'm really excited to kind of see them up close in person. I agree. I think it's going to be a great Final Four. I'll be there looking forward to it on Friday and then again on Sunday. Chip Scoggins, looking forward to reading your Paige Becker's story as well later on this week. Thanks so much for joining me here today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Mikey. Good stuff from Chip. And a good reminder here, too, that if even if you don't have tickets for Final Four this weekend, a lot of free events going on, stuff at the Convention Center. There's a free open practice on Saturday between the two championship teams. Lots to do to kind of be part of that atmosphere because this should be a pretty cool thing, especially after two years where we didn't have a ton of these big events. I mean, we had so many of these things happening, and then COVID hit, and now this feels like one of the first real big things we're having back here after reopening. So you should check that out if you get the chance. Let's move on quickly. U.S. World Cup qualifying. They lost 2 nothing to Costa Rica, like I said, but didn't really matter. All they had to do was avoid losing by 6, and they were in, so... 
they are in. Um, didn't make it in the 2018 uh, World Cup, so back into the cycle. They'll, they'll find out who they play later on, but into the into the into the draw, into the round of 32, and you know into that qualifying stage. And so we'll see how they go from there. It was it was a pretty solid qualifying run. I didn't watch every single match, but you had to feel pretty good about where they were. I mean, there's ups and downs and all of it, but you know, throughout it all, I felt like they played. You know, they they saved some of their best, uh, saved some of their best soccer for the moments they needed it the most, and you know, kind of came through when when they needed to. So I I I, f- I feel pretty good about where they are heading into the World Cup. I don't know if this is quite their time to you know to break through and, and get out of group play I'm not sure if that's going to happen you have to see what the group looks like first but the future of U.S. soccer a lot brighter than you could have said you know two three years ago I think before this you know qualifying stage happened so good good work by the U.S. and then we'll see how far they can get once we see the group later on Patrick Peterson coming back to the Vikings reportedly a more modest contract than the one he had a year ago, but he kind of broke the news on a podcast. <clears throat> um, not this one. Um, pretty rude. Um, the All Things Covered podcast. Um, he he broke the news on Wednesday. Said, "I'm going to stay put where I'm at." There's a group of guy, good group of guys in the locker room. Harrison Smith being one of the ones I'm very close to. Just felt it was right to be here, grind with those guys, and try to <clears throat> all come together for that common goal um but yeah the the uh the contract um just reading from the star tribune story ben gessling reportedly worth four million dollars um can can make another million dollars in incentives last year his deal was an eight million dollar deal in free agency so you know probably owing to age and things like that where he is in the market peterson 31 years old now not uh you know not able to to you know not able to what he said back up the Brinks truck anymore um, with his contract, but still a, a big get for the Vikings. They they need cornerback depth, um, they need cornerback help, and this you know he slots into that uh, that starting lineup and it makes you feel a lot better about where they are with that. You know I know it's it feels like getting the band back together is still the, the real off season message from the Vikings, but Patrick Peterson's one of those guys that I wanted them to bring back. I thought he was good last year. When he was on the field, I thought they didn't have a lot outside of him going uh, in that in that way. So to get him back to to have his production, that just solidifies things and it makes you feel better about where they are headed in 2022. So good move for them. Good move to you know to get him on a modestly priced deal. Relatively speaking, seems like a win for both parties. Let's finish with the cooler odd timing on. Another contract extension, another contract fulfilled for this time the Minnesota Wild. Alex Goligoski signs a two-year extension, um, four million dollar contract. Again, not as not as hefty as the deal that brought him in here, the one-year five million dollar contract that brought him in here. Um, he's been pretty good this year. He's got he's a plus thirty-four this season. Um, he's got 28 points, um, 26 assists, seventh best plus minus in the NHL, but he's been a healthy scratch the last two games. You know, the Wild trying to re- reconfigure its uh, its defensive pairings. They, they made an addition at the trade deadline. They're trying to, you know, they've got a decent amount of defensive depth trying to figure out what their best six are, but it's been surprising 
to me, to see Goligoski scratched based on how well he had been playing this year. You don't know if he's dealing with something you know, injury-wise. He's nursing something. They're just trying to give him a little rest from the grind, things like that. That, that, that could be it. Um, but just knowing that he had been a healthy scratch and then seeing this contract extension was a little bit jarring to me um, just, just because, you know, I was starting to wonder, is, is Goligoski, you know, are they, is he falling out of favor? Is he really going to be here that much longer? Because he was signed to ostensibly, you know, pair up on that top defensive pair with, with Jared Spurgeon. And whether that's the plan going forward or not, I don't know. But odd timing, I guess, is how I would how I would phrase this. The guy's been a healthy scratch, and then all of a sudden you announce a contract extension. But maybe there's more to it. Maybe he'll be back in that lineup soon, and then uh, then it will make sense. But for right now, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. That will do it for today. Nick Delorier, who was originally scheduled to be on today's show, will be on tomorrow's podcast. New Wild Forward should be a fun conversation with Nick Delorier, so looking forward to that. Thanks so much for joining me here today. Tons coming up in the next week as well as we talk Women's Final Four. Twins opening day is a little less than about a week away now. Um, so much going on frozen for next week. So there'll be no shortage of great stuff to talk about. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Be back at it again on Friday.